Feminist Buzzkills, the show that hopes we all look as good as Martha Stewart when we're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm Moji Alawode-L, and I'm joined by my co-host, Marie Khan. Hello, everyone. Coming up on today's show, we have an awesome lineup of experts. Joining us is Pandia co-founder, Dr. Sophia Yen, comedian Francesca Fiorentini, and our resident activist security expert, Kat Green. Also, check out the special pod episode that just dropped. Earlier this week, the Fifth Circuit heard oral arguments on the Mifepristone case that may upend pill access for us all. Liz joined legal mind Jessica Mason Piccolo to discuss the case while fundraising at the Boulder Valley Women's Health Center in Colorado. Listen in to hear them break down the court arguments and hear who said what and what it means for the abortion pill. Plus, we'll have a live show that we are super excited about in New York City on June 7th, and we can't wait to see you there. Details are in the show notes. But first, there's a new resource that just dropped, and Moji and I are excited about it. So excited about it. Yes. So an awesome organization, South Asians for Abortion Care, has just released a guide available in 21 languages for folks to learn about abortion care, what it entails, um, what someone can expect by it, and to dispel myths. What's really, really excited about it is that some of the languages that were listed of the 21 were languages that are fully new to me. And I feel like people who don't speak like Western languages or Mandarin or Japanese are often underserved. And it was really exciting to see languages that, again, are just not um, commonly spoken or addressed in um, abortion care and in organizations that are kind of based in the U.S. Yep. Yes. And this is also, this is great too, because there's so many folks that are bilingual and multilingual that don't get recognized. So maybe, yeah, you are functioning in English. A lot of your day-to-day is done utilizing and using English, but your language of healthcare might still be something else. So this is something you can use for that and talk to your family members, talk to other folks like intergenerationally about abortion, about reproductive care. It's also really beautiful. There's some beautiful illustrations. The design is really, really clean and accessible. I loved it. Yes. Yeah. It's really awesome, especially during AAPI month. Makes me happy. Anyway, yay, AAPI month and inclusive language use um, in abortion, in the abortion space. Let's move on to the rest of our show. As usual, Molly's here to drop a steaming pile of this week's news on you. Hi, friends. Um, uh, Welcome back to the segment that always brings us down. The steaming news dump. This one's going to be kind of a stress dump because the South is not okay. Mm -mm. Um, Let's start with South Carolina, who just passed a six-week ban this week. They had previously tried to pass a total ban, so they framed this piece of garbage as a compromise, which is kind of like Someone shitting in your eye and telling you to be grateful that they didn't shit in your mouth. How about we just don't shit on people? Is that an option? Apparently not, says North Carolina, whose legislature this week just overrode the veto of their governor to pass a 12-week abortion ban, which is the most random number of weeks we've seen so far. So congratulations, North Carolina. (laughs) 
Thank you for the 12-week thing. We were getting bored of the six-week bands and the 15-week bands. Very exciting. What makes it so messed up, as we all know, is that the jury is not out on what these bands do. They kill people. And just this week, another woman in Texas shared her horrific story about developing sepsis and almost dying after being denied an abortion. I really am starting to miss the days when doctors said, there's nothing we could do after they tried saving you. Not before. Got to rewrite all these medical dramas. Okay, and this last one's kind of fun. Uh, this one's for the abortion stands and the space fans. So plans to move the U.S. space headquarters to Alabama have reportedly been halted in part due to Alabama's horrific abortion ban, which is one small step for man and one giant leap for revenge. <laughs> Fuck you, Alabama. You don't get space. <laughs> uh, that's been your steaming news dump. Thanks, guys. Back to you. Where do you think they should move it? Great question. I've thought about this a lot. Um, I think somewhere, obviously, with abortion access, I was thinking like Minnesota, because all your employees can, you know, have some access to abortion. And then you get to say, Minnesota, we've got a problem. Did I do that good? This is going to kill me if I didn't do that well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Molly. Thanks, guys. That was really funny. <laughs> now let us get on to our big stories. All right. Well, the reality of abortion clinic violence has been consistently downplayed for decades as armies of processors have physically and verbally assaulted staff and patients. After the Dobbs decision, actually a faceless group that claimed to be pro-abortion started to take credit for a few attacks on fake clinics and the anti-abortion media machine jumped at the chance to play victim. It's their favorite game. Joining us to discuss the disastrous impact that this false equivalency creates is Kat Green, former AAF Managing Director and the founder of Endora Project, a nonprofit created to monitor extremists and track digital threats to human rights organizations, journalists, and activists. Kat, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. So you recently penned a report on the discrepancies in coverage and reactions to actual clinic violence versus fake clinic violence. Can you tell us the high level takeaway from this report? Um, the too long don't read is uh, basically we are seeing about eight times the amount of clinic violence at abortion facilities than is happening at CPCs and churches combined related to abortion topics. And five times the coverage going to things like Jane's Revenge that is really disproportionately representing what's going on in the media. Which is terrifying. I kind of want to ask, like, what we can do about it, but also, like, what does this mean in terms of, like, safety of clinics and people moving forward? And also, could you maybe explain what Jane's Revenge is? Because I just called them a nameless, <laughs> faceless organization because I'm like, we don't even know that they're, like, pro-abortion. Right. Well, there's a few problems, right? One is that Jane's Revenge is a decentralized group that nobody knows the leadership of. It is not a cohesive group. It is not an actual organization. Um, and right-wing media is treating it that way. And most people who work in abortion do not support Jane's Revenge. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, this is a huge problem with the way everything's being represented in the press right now. Also, there weren't statistics for 2022 for abortion facilities until last week. The National Abortion Federation just put out their report about the 2022 violence and disruption statistics. And so there wasn't any counter narrative to be had. So right wing media was saying that they had, you know, 
22 times the number of attacks. And it was only because our statistics hadn't come out because everybody was a little too busy trying to save abortion in various states. (laughs) And Kat, of all those statistics we have, what what is the FACE Act like netted netted those those facilities that have had an attack that are providing abortion care actually? Well, since 2017, out of the more than 60 invasions and blockades alone that have happened at abortion facilities, only five have resulted in face charges. Since last year, out of the total, let's say 150 odd wow, pro-abortion attacks that have happened, the FBI's already charged four people for face violations for vandalism. In one year? In one year. The property over people party. <laughs> right. And and the other thing about the statistics that are being quoted in right-wing media about these pro-abortion attacks is that they're primarily vandalism. Most abortion facilities don't even report their vandalism because it's so frequent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can see, I can think of a myriad reason why you wouldn't. Why do you want the, like, all those things, increased cop presence, all of that that's going to happen if you, if you're going the extra mile and then nothing's going to get done out of it like a less than 1% efficacy rate of, of existing legislation. That's ridiculous. I also want to point out that fake clinics and churches don't provide care. Like how are they even covered under the fake, the face act? Well, churches I know are. Yeah. And, and there's an argument that some of the fake clinics are providing some amount of care, even though it's not necessarily medical care. That said, if, if you want, there are some there are some charts in the report that make it extremely apparent how absurd this comparison is. But the bigger problem is that all of this media attention led to there being a congressional subcommittee hearing this past week to revisit the implications of the FACE Act, because basically anti-abortion activists and politicians want to dismantle the FACE Act. And so they had this hearing with the intention of presenting this bad evidence. And so it's working. The media attention, regardless of how flawed the statistics that they're quoting are, because there's been five times as much coverage Mm -hmm. of pro-abortion attacks, right? So that has sway. And it doesn't matter if people are making things up or straight up lying to you. It's what people hear repeated over and over again. We desperately need a counter narrative being presented now that the actual numbers are out there. What should we be doing with this information and how can our listeners help amplify it? I mean, really just reiterating that the numbers are on our side, looking at the statistics that are there and trying to get it out there. Anybody in the press being able to pick up this story and push a counter narrative, because right now media is what we've got to push back on this. Thank you so much for coming and breaking this down for us. People can go to Endora.tech and read the report yourself and follow all of Kat's work there. And the link will be in our show notes. Kat, thank you. Thank you. All right. Wow. These damn conservatives. And obviously we know their favorite thing in the world to do is to attack bodily autonomy. They've been pretty relentless. And in Nebraska this week, they decided it was time to consolidate the harm. Marie, talk about it. Yes. So Nebraskan conservatives are trying to kill every bird in a bush within two miles with their latest attack on reproductive rights. And this is like legitimately a two for emoji. So a horrific anti-trans bill has been rolling through the halls of their single chamber heart. Now, simultaneous to that, a six week abortion ban ran out of steam last week. 
So obviously the solution for any white supremacist lawmakers would be to amend that anti-trans bill to include a 12-week abortion ban. And this, this is, so this is the full limbo Moji and I are in because as this podcast is being filmed, the final vote about putting this bundle in place hasn't happened yet. So we're just, we're here to prepare you for what could happen in Nebraska. I mean, what might happen, yeah, by the time this podcast is out. This is really, really disturbing and comprehensive. And also it's a, a stunning reminder, right? Like it's, I, I joke today that they just aren't even saying the quiet parts quietly anymore. There's no quiet parts. This is a stunning reminder that the people who are fighting trans children, children, Yep. are um, the people who are also fighting your abortion rights. They are exactly the same people. They are daguerreotypes of each other. Disgusting. On the anti-trans side, we have this legislation that's banning hormone treatment, puberty blockers, and then gender reassignment surgery for anyone under 18, which Emoji and I were talking about just the, this is not, this is not a thing that a young children are doing. No one's doing generous reassignment surgery on 18 year olds. It's And again, this is part of the anti-abortion playbook where they would pass laws to outlaw things that don't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also apparently this supposed exception in place as, as a, as a workaround, you know, for someone who really deserves this care, but it's literally a transphobic appointee who reviews those. Yeah. And we've been, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention to Nebraska because really the abortion news is fast and furious. But one of the senators, Michaela Kavanaugh, has been actually filibustering this whole term in Nebraska and holding back bills she even approved of just to keep this anti-trans bill um, from pushing through. And, you know, the first step happened this week. So like, yeah, we're just waiting for the final shoe to drop. Yeah. Yeah. The marriage between... (laughs) 12 after 12 weeks, you can't get an abortion. And to be clear, too, their governor has pledged to sign this bundling and it's going to go into effect the minute it passes. So this is this is a very real imminent danger and threat to folks. And also one of the fuckers in Nebraska, one of the elected officials behind this who helped author the 12 meat ban, he's an 80 year old white man. So I don't know. Go find a cover of a magazine to be on. Stop controlling people's bodies. I mean, Martha Stewart would never. Anyway, these stories will be in the show note. And as always, we remind you the best and most up-to-date, up-to-the-minute resource on accessing abortion care and funding your care is INeedAn.com. And now it's time for our next guest. Who's joining us, Marie? This guest co-founded Pandia Health because she believes no one should suffer from birth control pill anxiety each month. It is the only doctor-led women-founded and women-led birth control delivery company. Please welcome Dr. Sophia Yen. Hello. Hello. Hey, Dr. Yen. Hey, thanks. Thank you for joining us. Um, So we're just going to jump right into it. Can you tell us why you started Pandia Health and why it was so important for you as a doctor to put medical care back into patients' hands? Yeah, so I was giving a talk to a bunch of doctors why don't women mm-hmm. take their birth control? And one of the top reasons was didn't have time to run the stupid pharmacy every single month, right? And I actually coined the term pill anxiety. For mm-hmm. anyone who's ever taken the birth control pill, you get to that last week 
And if you don't get to the pharmacy, that is a hair on fire moment. I need my med. You know, I'm going on vacation. I'm leaving the country. Exactly. I'm on yes. vacation. I forgot to bring an extra pack. Yes. <laughs> and that um, is why I created Pendiga Health. So no one runs out of birth control on our watch. And so my friend Pearl and and I were like, we'll just ship it to you. Keep shipping it to you until you tell us to stop. And then we'll try to maximize how much we can ship to you. So one thing is ask your doctor to write for 13 packs at a time or 17 packs at a time. Because as a doctor, I used to write dispense one, refill times 12. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, what's the problem? But I actually chained you to the pharmacy. Right. Because the pharmacy cannot Ah. expand but they can constrict. And so if like you write 13 and the insurance only covers two or three, then they can give out less, but they can't give out more. Oh, wow. So So the thing is, if I'm hearing you correctly, people get the prescription from their doctor and then they go through you and then you are like dispensarella. (laughs) Yes, we are like just raining birth control, throwing out, you know, dollar bills, but birth control (laughs) instead. And so um, we actually, you can tell your doctor to send it to Pandia Pharmacy in San Jose, California, sign up. And if you have a prescription and insurance, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, Obama-Biden, no copay, no deductible, aka free. So you pay us nothing. And is it anywhere? If I live in Missouri? Anywhere in the U.S. of A, all 50 states. And is there a community in particular you find that you are supporting in like just looking at sort of the demographic of your customers? Is there one that you're like, "Uh, we got most of these? (laughs) (laughs) I would say that um, we're good for anybody from age 15 to 50. And we're about to launch menopause. So then we'll do 50 until the end of time. But um, with respect to who we're better for, I think we're better for anybody with a uterus that's that doesn't want to bleed every month. Um, I realized what I was taught at UCSF and Stanford. Great if you're a Caucasian female that wants to bleed every month, because all of medicine is generally 70 kilo white female. But when I talk to my fellow Asian and black doctors like, oh, yeah, that one doesn't work so well. And I remembered. It took me like three different pills to find one that didn't give mm-hmm. me breakthrough bleeding. And so using my UCSF Stanford brain, I took all the birth control pills, 40 of them, ranked them from most likely make you bleed, least likely to make you bleed, most likely give you munchies, least likely to give you munchies. Took the UCSF Stanford one and then bumped it up some. And then we also tailor it by BMI, also age, to make sure you get the one with the least amount of side effects. And with that, 82% retention at a year for newbies versus normal 55%. So if you want hashtag get the good stuff. That's my new hashtag. Get the good stuff. <laughs> Come to Pandia Health, the only doctor-led, the only women-founded, women-led company in this space. And ladies, if you want to support people with uteri, check out who the CEO is, check out who the founder is, check out who the owner is, and maybe help help a woman out. This is so exciting to me because I am a person who, back when I took hormonal birth control a billion years ago, I found it all so complicated. And I had like, I was not yes. a person who could who could stick with a pill because I always found it so complicated. When you just talk through all of these tests you did and like all of the ways you serve people, this is so exciting to me 20 years ago. Totally. And I also feel like it's like, it's sort of like the hot sauce challenge taken to like this really amazing next level. I'm just like, I'm going to trust all this out. I'm going to figure out what's best, test my limits. Um, But I just want to get back a little bit to this whole like 
stopping your period situation. Like, let's talk about that because I feel like it's this unspoken thing and we don't talk about it enough. Let's talk about for our folks who are like, is that okay? Is that dangerous? Should we be doing that? Like walk through folks why it's totally okay to be doing this period suppression for yourself. Yes. So as a doctor, as a person with a uterus, in trying to get pregnant with my first child, I realized the only reason those of us with uteri bleed every month, we build up that lining and we're like, embryo? Oh, no embryo. Bleed. And then we build it up again. And then we bleed. And then every time we build that, we risk endometrial cancer. Every time we pop out an egg, and we don't know if it's the popping, the healing, something to do with the tubes, we risk ovarian cancer. And if you talk to any physician, they know that if you put somebody on the pill patch ring for five years and block that egg popping situation, you decrease their risk of ovarian cancer by 50%. And then people are like, yeah, so we can prevent ovarian endometrial and then colorectal cancer too. So that gives me the opportunity to, another hashtag, hashtag stop sucking it up. That 30% of us, when we hit our periods or menstruation, we have constipation or diarrhea. So not only you have blood, but then you got the other stuff going wrong too, which is insult to injury. But that increases your risk of colorectal cancer. Because when you mess up the intestine every single month, then you increase your risk of colorectal cancer. So by decreasing the frequency of all this stuff, you decrease ovarian, endometrial, and colorectal cancer. And then people are like, but wait, it's not natural not to bleed every month. And yes, I, I, we as the medical system have ingrained it in your heads. You must bleed every single month. And yes, if you're not on any medications and you're not pregnant, then yeah, you should be bleeding every month. However, we now have the technology to make hashtag periods optional. And you can do that using the IUD, the implant, the shot, the pill, the patch, the ring. Obviously my company can only do the pill patch ring that my dream would be have a drone drop a robot and they ring your doorbell yes. and they're like, spread them. And they throw up an IUD or they put in the implant or you do the implant yourself. Cause I'm like, when my kid was 10, I was like the 10 year old could put in the implant. It's pretty easy to do <laughs> by itself. I'm sure with, you know, all of us post COVID and our YouTube skills totally could put yep. it. We can bake bread. We can pop it. We can pop it. Oh IUD my gosh. <laughs> Not an IUD, just the implant. <laughs> the IUD, you can maybe do a friend. Yes, <laughs> yes. But you cannot do oh, IUD parties. Wait. Oh my God. I mean, that's the next level. Our bodies ourselves sing. But wait, Sophia, I want to ask you, Marie and I, a couple of weeks ago, were did a story on uh, a doctor who is now sort of reintroducing you know, a menstrual extraction tool that's been used forever for folks to do, like, would you recommend that too? Because we were really excited about that. Oh, totally. I mean, that's what used to be in the back alley days. And that's where we are, unfortunately, until we vote all these evil people out that, you know, this, it, it can be done. And it's just, it's like, that's what vacuum suction is. It's just vacuum is you hook it up to your vacuum. It's got electric and it's a lot stronger, but you can totally do it with just a syringe if it's an early pregnancy. And um, I absolutely think women should do that. Um, back to the periods optional. I do want to throw down that it's actually natural to have fewer periods than what we're currently having. Right. And so Dr. Beverly Strassman studies the Dogon tribe in Mali, Africa, not like centuries ago, but today. And they die at the same age we do. So we're comparing apples to apples, but they have a hundred periods in their lives. We have 350 to 400. 
So we are having enough periods for two or three other uterine bearing people. Whoa. They have no ovarian or endometrial cancer. And we do, because every time you build that lining, every time you pop that egg, you risk cancer. And we have, you know, 350 to 400 versus 100. And the reason why is they have eight or nine children. Not saying we should have eight or nine children, but how many periods you have when you're pregnant with eight or nine mm -hmm. children? I have one Zero. and I'm all set. <laughs> I'm also going to say that I know this is wrong, but like, as you say this, I'm like, oh my God. Think of all the more hamburgers I could have eaten to not get colorectal canceled because I was actually doing instructions, which I know is not a replacement for having a healthy diet. But, you know, I'm daring to dream over here. It's like, yes, really well, we idea. will get you an impossible burger and maybe that'll decrease this as you go to. It's also you know, impossible for me to get another period. So I feel like I want it right now. that that is pretty awesome. And um, the other point is that they breastfeed for 12 to 15 months and we breastfeed for zero three or six. So if you take 12 to 15, multiply that times eight or nine children, again, how many periods do you have when you're exclusively <laughs> breastfeeding nine. every two to three hours? Zero. So that's the hundred versus 350 to 400. And so if we can take us down to a hundred or my ideal world, we'd be like, oh yeah, you have periods and then let you have them for like two years just because, and then uh, turn them off and then, you know, have a couple periods to get pregnant, pop out two kids on average. That would be like maybe 16 periods in our lives as opposed to 350 to 400. And uh, another tip, because I'm an adolescent medicine doctor, is if you have a 12-year-old who just got her periods, um, the number one cause of missed school and work under the age of 25 is bad, evil periods. So hashtag stop sucking it up and tell a doctor. And if it's not bad evil, then you could probably turn it off two years after your first period. But if it's bad evil, then we could turn it off right away. Um, please see a doctor. I'm so happy you brought up, well, A, you highlighted young people like y'all right here at age 15, like folks should seek you out for support. But talking about what we know, right? We want education for everyone and what this takes people out of the equation to do things and participate. My grandma didn't get to, my grandma that grew up in the U.S. did not get to go to high school at all because of, of her periods being too much in the 1920s. Um, what I specifically wanted to talk to you about was the news that we heard this last week out of the FDA that their advisory panel, they've recommended a version of over-the-counter birth control. So I wanted to ask you about that. Closer to that being a reality, we know right off the bat, hopefully this can this can be an option for young folks. I was wondering, will y'all at Pandia Health, will your customers be able to have that? And how do you think this is going to impact access for people? So hashtag get the good stuff. Ask the doctors, if this was your daughter, your friend, would you want her on that pill? Or would you want her to have the 40 different options that you can get by seeing a doctor, seeing a practitioner? And Pandia Health, we actually bring, you know, expert birth control care to wherever you have internet in a mailbox in 15 states. And we're expanding as we get more funds. So anybody who was a donor investor, please send them my way. But we also encourage birth control tourism. So example, we're not in New Jersey or Connecticut, but we are in New York. So if you can get to New York once a year, fill out the questionnaire and be like, I'm in New York right now. We're like, okay, we'll use our New York doctor. 30 bucks once a year to use our expert birth control doctors. And we set up a code AAF that gives you $5 off. And yes. Yes. <laughs> And then unlimited follow-up questions for 364 days with a doctor about anything birth control. So we're bringing it wherever you have internet and a mailbox 
And I created it to be confidential. So you don't have to walk into that pharmacy and they'd be like, oh, Sophia, you for birth control. You know, it's like slut shame you. But it just comes in the mail discreetly with a freebie. Um, I love the fact that one birth control pill is going over the counter and there's another one going over the counter. But I would love it if they would just set them all free. And then I still think you should, you know, have a consult with the doctor to see which one's best for you. Because the one that's going over the counter Oddly enough, it was approved by the FDA, but never on the U.S. market. So we don't know, like, does this prevent ovarian cancer? Is it going to have more zit um, side effects, which I think it will. And I would hate for all these young people to go for this one and get like zits and side effects and be like, oh, the pill sucks and not realize there are 39 other pills that you could choose from. And then just one caveat on this pill, um, the joke in medicine is what do you call a person on progesterone only pill? You call her mama or pregnant because <laughs> it's a three-hour window. And if you're late and who hasn't flown one way or the other, be like, what's up? You know, and if you had sex within the past five hours, you may need to throw down some emergency contraception as well. This particular drug, again, because we haven't had it in the U.S., might have a more forgiving window, but even their own paper by their drug company, the last line is, we don't have enough data. We just stick to the three hours. And I was like, that's not practical at all for teenagers. I'm an adolescent medicine doctor and it's not practical for anyone. So hashtag, if you have access to a doctor or provider, get the good stuff. And Pandia is bringing it to you for 30 bucks in 15 states. It's so good. I wanted to ask you, Sophia, like, I think the one thing that I feel really excited about and just like, you know, and I think a lot of folks don't understand that it's one pill that's going over the counter, right? So I think that's super good information. But also, I love the idea that young folks can go online and talk to an expert that's like going to have really walked them through. I think a lot of times even cool moms or, you know, don't have the information or maybe people feel like shy to ask their mom or don't want to, or they have terrible parents. And to be able to go to an expert like you, I think is super awesome. And I, I know we have to wrap up really quickly, but I did want to just ask a little bit um, sidebarring, just because I know your expertise, as we talk about intersectionality and we're talking about birth control and reproductive care and you working in adolescent medicine, I would just love for you to talk a little bit about what you're seeing with adolescents who are trans and what they're experiencing right now and how you're helping treat folks who are families who are suffering in states where it's not helpful and what you just what you're seeing overall in in giving words of encouragement maybe to some people listening out there who um who could use a little love and support and expertise right now we are so thankful for all the providers out there that are continuing to provide trans care despite legal threats from, you know, radical activist judges and people passing laws. Um, My colleagues at the Society of Adolescent Health and Medicine are like, how can we help our colleagues? And unfortunately, um, it's important to take into account, please don't expect your doctor to lose their livelihood for you. And so they're like, um, move to New York, move to, and we can't all flee the bad states because then the bad states will have nobody taking care of people. I do think that telemedicine and people who are willing to go radical um, can do stuff like from California, we could send stuff to like bad states, not my company in particular, but other companies. But you have to be willing to take that risk. You have to have investors that are willing to take that risk. And so Absolutely, there is hope that we all deserve to be treated equally and to live how we want to live. So um, I hope everybody will push for the passing of the ERA, which would protect trans rights, 
reproductive rights, strengthen violence against women acts. And we are so close. We just need senators and um, the representatives to extend the deadline. And even people said the lawyer said we don't really need that, but we're just doing it. And so if you know any senator, any House of Rep, we're looking particularly for five Republican House of Reps to vote yes on equal rights amendments. And so everybody, please get out, vote, donate, support anybody who supports the ERA, reproductive rights, because that will help trans rights, that will help reproductive rights. And if you don't have that person in your community, run for office, because too often people of color and women don't run because they haven't been asked. So you have now been asked. All of y'all, including Liz, including Moji and Marie. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Dr. Yen, thank you so much for joining us. This was so good, so helpful. I have learned so much and I'm going to talk about Pedia Help to every person I know who's still in the reproductive world. That's right. You're so amazing. Thank you for being such an incredible supporter of us always. You are a champion and an advocate extraordinaire. And we love you. Thank you so much for everything you do. I'm a fan. Love you all. Thank you for your important work. You can stay up to date on Pandia Health and all of Dr. Yin's incredible work at the links in our show notes. And if you purchase birth control at the Pandia Health website, enter code AAF at checkout for $5 off. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are doing a live pod show. Yes, everyone, you have the opportunity to see how much taller I am than Moji. It's not that much, Marie. We will be <laughs> at Drum in New York City over in the East Village on Avenue A. Yep, it's going to be June 7th. The doors will open at 7.30 p.m. And the show will start at 8. You can get ticket link in the show notes. And we'll be talking to amazing guests. Murray Hill, actor, comedian, and legendary New York personality from HBO's Somebody Somewhere, Plus, activists from NYC for Abortion Rights will be giving us the scoop on how they take on the anti-abortion movement with fun and awesome actions and how you can get involved. And since we'll be live, you can bring your Qs and we'll bring the A's in real time. Something you can only get with the live Buzzkills Experience TM. We'll also have all the news, fun, and shenanigans you'd expect from a night out with us. So check out the ticket link in the show notes, and we cannot wait to see you. Um, Marie, you don't really have to tell people how much taller than me you are. You can just, you know, be um, quietly tall. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we are so grateful to the sponsors, or I guess the sponsors that we would imagine would sponsor us. Oh, yeah in order to carry out our show. And now we're going to hear from one of those. All over the internet, people are whining about how normal abortion is, how it should be accessible to everyone. Unfortunately, there's just not enough time to park yourself in every comment section and enlighten them with the ultimate zinger. If they can't handle the consequences of sex, they shouldn't be having it. Luckily, there's Purity AI, which comments for you. Purity AI asks you basic questions about your Christian values, lack of sexual satisfaction, and your overall patriarchal worldview. Then it scours the internet, targeting the whorish baby killers, social media accounts, dropping brilliant truth bombs in the comments tailor-made to echo your own misogyny. That's right. With Purity AI, you can personally own the libs without even lifting a finger. Once you program Purity AI with your trademark bot thoughts, Thousands of amoral coin purses will be harassed online in ways you can only dream of. Too busy for the initial setup? 
you can also enjoy access to pre-populated phrases like, you're a dumb skank. And what if your mother aborted you? Classics. Download Purity AI today and get 10% off using promo code Jesus Take My Keyboard. Purity AI, my body, my choice. Body, yaddy, 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 yaddy. <laughs> we do not own the rights to that song. <laughs> no, I think we did just enough to fall under, you know, where we don't want to be. That is a terrible service. Um, and I sometimes feel like it already exists. It definitely has to. They're just too quick on the draw sometimes. It's just too quick. I'm like, are you just sitting there waiting for me to tweet something pro-abortion? Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> well, now we got, we're going to talk with someone who's the opposite of a bot. Who's our next guest, Moji? Oh my God, she's great. Our next guest is a journalist, activist, and comedian. She claims to speak dick jokes to power and is the host of the Bituation Room podcast. Please welcome Francesca Fiorentini. Hey, Fran. Hi. Hi. This is a lot. I'm glad to talk to you because, you know, you've been with us for a hot minute. And so as we sit in this moment, that's a lot. You came out with us on the road in 2019 when we thought it couldn't get worse. And then so here we are. And I always love to ask the folks who travel with us who have been like, activists in their own right, but like when they emerge into abortion space with a bunch of people who are like, abortion nerd camp yeah <laughs> what what opened your eyes in a way that you were like oh my god i didn't know um you mean in terms of how bad it was yeah or how awesome you guys are because no, i think no. that was more of an eye opening um <laughs> to me it's how awesome you guys were and how you this work can be fun and joyous and stupid and you know we can make jokes and mock uh the antis even we can call them antis and or force birthers. So I felt like that was it for me. But but I do think that you guys, you know, how important it was to not um, leave reproductive rights and abortion rights aside um, because the right had been won. And the fact that like the media was largely not covering this slow chipping away at Roe and then it all happened in one fell swoop. And it's like, oh, now you're paying attention. And even if you know, it were, you know, the Dobbs decision didn't come down. All these other restrictive laws would still be on the books. And so that's the thing that I think Liz and Moji and like just, you know, abortion AF taught me really was like, it doesn't have to be Roe. This is already an emergency. And now that it is an emergency, again, it just feels like we're so flat footed. It feels very much like we're in the Naomi Klein, like, you know, shock doctrine moment mm -hmm. of this is what we reap, what, you know, all the Trump years have sown and far before that. What do fucking Americans need to take to the streets and be just unbridled and like you're literally being reclassified from your humanity into government property and patriarchal property and here we sit we're not in the fucking streets i know i know and i think it's because we are so um beaten down by not just like everything that's happening again shock doctrine but this moment of 
emerging from the pandemic or are we um, late stage capitalist exploitation where everyone is grind ground down to a little nub just trying to get by? You know, I mean, our industry in terms of like journalism and media is just going completely under. And then you look at, you know, like the WGA strike and the way that, you know, even if you're in the creative field or if you're a comic, if you're a writer, like that's being squeezed. So it's just like, oh, this is perfect. You can uh, tame the resistance by um, making it impossible for them to survive day to day. And and I think that's going to hold, but not forever. And so I feel we are very close. And again, it's not an inevitability. We all have to get involved and like actually fuck shit up. But like, I do think we're close to having that psychic break of a moment, Liz, where we truly like we don't go back. Like we fight for all of it. We're going for all of it. Um, and all of our struggles we're seeing are are interlinked. So, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm someone who is very much like, if there's enough of a mass of folks doing a thing, I will fucking join them. You know, I don't necessarily have the time and ability to plan it all, but I will like sit in and do a sleep in in D.C. if that's what we need to do, surround the White House or surround Supreme Court. Like, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's get arrested. Who cares? There, there, there are people dying right now from a lack of abortion access. I love that even with all of this, you're like looking at the world. You clearly have a clear eyed assessment of the world and you still were like, you know what? Now is an excellent time to become a mom. This is a wonderful <laughs> time to birth a female life into the world. Um, I, how has this uh, fun thing that you did at uh, the mid-pandemic affected your activism? I mean, I'm not really an activist at this point. I'm mostly, you know, through my podcast, through appearances on TYT, kind of like on the, I've always called myself on the propaganda committee, you know, through stand-up, like I'm on the propaganda team, put me there, I can help spread the message and also be a body, you know, if, you know, if and when needed. But it, it's fucking dark. Like no joke, it is dark. Number one, no one should be forced to do this. All oh, right. Oh God, no. It is incredibly difficult. I don't know what human babies, I mean, they've really, the they haven't evolved. I think it, it's harder to raise a human baby now than ever. Um, it's insanely expensive. It, it Like the toll on your anxiety, to say nothing of the toll on your sleep, it it's really rough and beautiful and wonderful and all the things that I'm, you know, we're forming a wonderful family and absolutely was my choice, but it's rough and it's even rougher and darker when you think I'm raising a young woman, a young girl at this point, to come in to to become a citizen of this country that devalues her and treats her like a second class citizen. So I'm just spawning like a second class citizen. Fuck mm -hmm. that. I don't want to do that. That is not OK. And I will like I owe it to her and I owe we all owe it to um, future her. generations <laughs> to, to fight, you know, to fight for this. And it's just like this is. So so it, it it feels even darker when you're in this moment of, okay, we don't have paid maternity leave, universal paid maternity leave. We don't have universal pre-K. Everything is expensive. Um, you know, you're you're like, there's no support. You know, you you the, the you know, whatever. Healthcare is expensive. If you can get on like Medicaid, amazing. If you can't, you're screwed. You know, like all childcare. of the things, the childcare, everything is coming at you. And then you're like, to do what? Oh, to raise a second class citizen. Again, fuck that. 
and also like looking at this country like second class citizen like that's a that's the they survive school like you know what I mean you look at the right I have a, a black son and I remember he was like two when Trump was elected and I was like what the fuck and it seems like it hasn't gotten better well, you had, you know, your kid in the Obama years. So that's, you I know, did. look, yeah. things were not yeah. perfect, obviously, but at least. Yeah, we have, have a little bit from Obama that says, <laughs> thank you for this. You know, they they like every president will send you something for free that just says like your wedding, your child. And I got an Obama one. It's kind of fun. You could get a Biden one if you if you want. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. I, every, everyone's jumping on that. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, if you ask for an American flag from outside of the Capitol or like on the where where's all the flag? There's some round of flags, maybe the ones surrounding the um, the Washington Monument. If you request a flag, you can get a flag. Whoa. Wow. But you can't get health care. So, you know, no, 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 we can't do that. <laughs> well, you can wrap yourself in the flag and keep yourself warm until Absolutely. you get yourself to another country that will actually provide you with the care you need. Fran, I wonder, Moji and I have talked about this a lot. And so many of my friends who are parenting, they're like, I've never been more pro-choice than mm-hmm. when I became a parent. Are you on team? Oh, my God. Reiterating so profound for yourself. Yeah. And I think it the stories of people who are, you know, far less lucky than I am, you know, to have some amount of work, to have support from family, to have a partner, to be nearly 40, um, like they resonate a lot more now when you know that motherhood, parenthood is the leading cause of poverty uh, for people. And you see stories of lack of abortion access leading to um People who had dreams as a 16 year old, right, getting pregnant, having twins, wanting to, you know, wanted to go to school, wanted to do all the, all these other things. And then, nope, that's completely tanked. And now you're working three jobs and you're miserable and depressed. Oh, and, oh yeah, you can't even even keep your kids in your own custody and care because, look, adoptees want in and they they want to take care of your kids for you. And you're happy about that, but also so deeply, deeply sad because that person can't be you because you literally can't afford to be the caregiver. It's just endlessly depressing. And of course, it makes me pro-choice. And to say nothing of the fact that you guys know the stats, 60 percent of people who have abortions are already parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just pivot to like you what is the most basic thing about you? Because you're talking about all this activism and clearly you know everything that I want to hear. No. But like, tell me about your basicness. My basicness is that I, I'm a yoga bitch. Like, I like yoga. What and kind of yoga are you doing? <laughs> I'm not a lot these days, although my entire body hurts. Um, so it's because of just carrying baby and nursing and back and all that. But... um. I love I'm just I'm shouting out sequential body. Her name's Emily Purs. She's got an online platform. Everything's online. It's great. I like a like a strong um vinyasa. Like a mm-hmm. like a strong vinyasa. I'm not really into the heated or anything. That's bullshit. That is yeah. bullshit yeah. yoga. That is heated? performative bullshit yoga. I mean, yeah. I've I've enjoyed it in my life, but uh I could have But it ain't now. yoga. <laughs> they have contests. There's Bikram contests. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just and, and it's also the same 26 poses. No please next i mean it's like i also don't love being sweated on by a stranger 
You know, you ever been to a hot yoga class and you're like, that's not my sweat. That's like a year I did hot yoga. It's disgusting. I loved it. (laughs) Disgusting. But people like athletics shouldn't involve making your own gravy. I just feel like that's, can I just be real? (laughs) One of my favorite breakup stories is I was in a class, a woman threw up ran out of the room and then came back and finished the class. I was like, this is a cult. Good for her. I have that's, joined a cult. <laughs> that is a cult. That's a yeah. flex. That is such a flex. It was the, it like the me. shame <laughs> alone. That's amazing. No, I know people love it. I mean, I see them and they love it. That's super basic about me. I'm also really into like skincare and all this bull. Like I, I like, uh, but, but, but a little bit, I'm also cheap. So get what I'm, I'm doing is, uh, I make my own eye cream. Um, because of what? Um, well, Bikram yoga sweat mostly. Uh, <laughs> and vomit. It's the and most vomit. effective it's, materials, guys, and super rare. You'd be surprised. No, I. it's like, you know, rosehip oil that's been soaking in coffee grinds and like green tea. So you have like infused rosehip oil and I then it's like already. shea butter and some um, beeswax. And then it's like sea buckhorn root and blah, 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 all this crap or oil not root i I don't know what a sea buckhorn is i feel like there is a a mammal that is like you order it off the back of a magazine and you put it in water (laughs) pretty much pretty much what i did was i looked at the um ingredients of an eye cream that's way too expensive for me and i was like that's natural i can get that i can get that i can get that and i then was like i'm gonna make this eye cream and it's called because i'm a big forrest gump fan it's called lieutenant dan eye cream (laughs) Um, <laughs> instead of Lieutenant Dan ice cream. So that's, <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a deep cut, deep cut. I mean, I don't know if it makes me basic. I think it makes me kind of cool, it. but I love it. Who doesn't like Forrest Gump. I'm the same. I love, I love an eye cream. I love a mask. I love mm-hmm. a, a moisture. I like a moisturizing anything. I am. Mm. I'm all about skincare as well. I'm 87. I look pretty good. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So, Francesca, what what are people finding on the Bituation Room, which is your podcast that you've been doing forever that they don't get at other media? <laughs> also, it's the best name. We were just talking about like how Thank much we love you. that name. Yeah, we have Hell name and yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the Bituation Room, here's what you get. You get some news and analysis, but with comedians. So, you know, taking the edge off always, making light of things. Um, and then, you know, we we do some like deep dives and analysis. We just had um, Julian Walker, who has a conspirituality podcast and writes and talks all about anti-vax. Guru. I'm sorry, conspirituality? That's spirituality. a portmanteau I've never heard before. Yes. Like and he talked all about RFK Jr., who is, I guess, trying to run for president. And, you know, um, he's an anti-vaxxer, like dabbles in all the 5G, you know, QE, Q adjacent stuff. So it's kind of like, yeah, you're going to get those good interviews. We had, um, what was another one? We had Representative Summer Lee on of uh, Pennsylvania recently. So that was great. So it's like, it's that, it's fun. Um, It's like, wait, wait, don't tell me, but lefty. I love it. I've been a guest several times. I haven't been on in a while. Why is that? I don't know. Mochi's never wow. been on. Not once. Mochi could be a good guest. <laughs> yes, both of you need to be on. Moji. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> Starting with you. Are you back out? Speaking of just like anti-vax and like trying to get back and being a performer out in the world, like what's your level of I'm ready to do this? Where, where, where are you? What are you doing? 
it's difficult with the kid. We don't have a childcare situation at night. Um, but yeah, I'm doing some shows, a trickle of shows in Los Angeles, you know, trying to stay safe. Although like I've gotten regular sick off of a microphone before, you know, so it just depends. I'm like, every time I'll do, I'll do a show and then you'll be like, oh, this person had COVID actually who did the show with you. And we're like, mother, you know, so I don't know about the COVID stuff, but the rest of it is just like, yeah, me, me needing to get back out there and beg people. Be like, put me on your show and don't pay me anything, please. Yeah. So if you're listening, put me on your show and pay me, maybe. I was yeah. going to say, and pay, and pay, friend, please. please pay, pay, pay a bitch. Uh, I'm going to be in um, Cal Arts and Sciences in end of June for one of their nightlife events. So that'll be fun doing some stand up and then talking to like women in STEM. Ooh, and all that. I'm going to ask them is about um, uteruses and <laughs> and abortions and STEM their cells. Like, stem cells and they're gonna be like um i'm an astrophysicist and i'm like okay but like out there in the world is there another planet that is a matriarchy where you know abortions are on every corner and also you just summed up women right an astrophysicist is like i'm not sure i'm qualified to weigh in i'm an astrophysicist we're a guy that's the assistant manager at a fucking muffler shop he feels very (laughs) qualified to weigh in and have all the feelings and just be out there and he's all of a sudden before you know it in congress being like and we're gonna put you to death if you decide to use birth control and meanwhile the astrophysicist is like what happened i'm like bitch you didn't speak up also he's mansplaining astrophysicism (laughs) to the astrophysicist totally that's definitely totally a thing that's happening (laughs) a hundred percent it's great. You know, I, I'm, I know we're, we have to go, but I just in, you know, 20, when Trump got elected 2016, one of the things that helped me distract me is that I was working at Nat Geo and I went to El Salvador to talk to women who had been in prison for decades because they had an abortion or. Or miscarriage. We spoke to someone there who said she talked to the women there. And a lot of them were like, it was a miscarriage. It wasn't even an intentional ending of a pregnancy. Yes. In, and the women I spoke to, they were miscarriages as well. Uh, one didn't know she was pregnant. That's where we're headed. And at that time we were behind and now we're like, we're there. And I'm just waiting. Like, can we call the Hague on ourselves? Like, can you call <laughs> the International Criminal Court on yourself? I'm not sure. Is that like turning yourself in, dropping your baby off at a blockbuster slot? Totally. Can we just drop our nation off at the United Nations, like another country? In the Hague. In the Hague and just be like, please deal with us. Yeah. Or or maybe we just go, uh, can we get refugee status in another country? Because I can't take it. I was just in Colombia. They have abortion up to 24 weeks countrywide. <laughs> just saying. They're nailing it. <laughs> but I love, you know, your special was really great. Let's put it, make sure we put it in the show notes because I think people really need yeah. to see it because it's it's really incredible to see where we're at. And Fran, I'm going to take you up on joining us when we are, we are slowly getting back out and doing that important clinic work and doing that important, you know, helping build community where people are struggling and you have joined us before and you're so brilliant and we always love having you. Um, And so again, before we go, tell people where they can find you all the places. Yeah. Find me on all the things. Franny Fio, F-R-A-N-I-F-I-O on Instagram and on YouTube specifically where the Bituation Room streams live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Also do a bonus bish on on Fridays, which are sort of fun stories. But yeah, check it out. Oh my God, you're naming. Bonus bish. Bonus bish. So good. So good. (laughs) Please come back and see us soon. And um, hopefully we'll see you soon in the Bituation Room. Hell yeah.
Go to Francesca's website at francescafiorentini.com. Listen and watch to the Bituation Room and follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Frenifio is her handle. Links will be in the show notes. That's our show, everybody. Thank you to Dr. Sophia Yen for joining us. You can stay up to date on Pandia Health and all of Dr. Yen's incredible work through the links in our show notes. And if you purchase birth control at the Pandia Health website, enter code AAF at checkout for $5 off. Thank you so much for listening. You can support our pod by taking a minute to subscribe, write a review, and give us five stars. With your help, we can get more people to learn about this assault on abortion access. Again, follow us on all the socials at Abortion Front to keep up on all the latest repro news. And don't forget to check out yesterday's special episode with Liz and the legal mind of Jessica Mason Piclo, breaking down where we are in the fight for accessible abortion pills. Looking for where you might fit in to do some abortion activism? Check out our five-part activist training series, Operation Save Abortion, at operationsaveabortion.com. The series is available in pod and video form. Make sure to check out the activist calendar, which is chock full of local and national actions and educational opportunities. One of the featured events coming up in the activist calendar is for folks in the Austin or San Antonio area. The Lilith Fund is looking for volunteers to help with assembling their post-abortion care packages. You can find the sign-up form in our show notes or in the activist calendar. And don't forget to join us at the NYC live show. Link to tickets are in our show notes, and we can't wait to see you there. Next week, we have a great roster of guests, including Rebecca Tong with Trust Women Abortion Providers, comedian and OG AAF supporter Jenny Yang, and Liz will be back with us for a triumphant return of this three-headed hydra. And join our Patreon. You'll support great content and great cool FBK merch and experiences. All pledges support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. FBK is edited by Remy Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. And finally, we leave you with self-righteous chode Matt Walsh, a man showing his whole ass by shitting on single moms. Single moms need much more support because they aren't getting it from their, the fathers of their children, which is where the support is supposed to come from, which isn't to say, by the way, that single moms are all you know, the victims of deadbeats who ran out on them. Far from it. In fact, one of the reasons why we should not be throwing parades for single moms is that many of them choose to be this way. They choose to be single moms. The majority of divorces are initiated by women. And the majority of divorces cite things like money and irreconcilable differences, quote unquote, as the reason for the split. So these are not all or even mostly women who had to flee from horribly abusive men. In many cases, these are women who chose single motherhood as a lifestyle. Feminist Buzzkills, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. New episodes drop Friday. When BS is popping, we pop off. And if you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.